We want to thank Next Level Marketing for being our opening sponsor on the podcast. If you have social media that you use for marketing, you need to check out Next Level Marketing and follow them on Facebook. You can also reach them at Gary Bontrager Consulting on our website, www.garybontrager.com. They will do a free audit for you and check out what your social media, how it's performing, what loopholes there are, and how you can tighten it up and be more effective with your marketing. They will help put strategies together to use organic growth to maximize the dollars that you do spend. We appreciate them being an associate sponsor with us on this Mindset Growth Podcast and enjoy what they do for us. This is a company that we work with and we endorse and we don't take that lightly. I want to welcome you to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. I'm Gary Bontrager, your host. I have Heather, my co-host here with me today. We are very excited for this next guest. Uh, she has written a book and so we're going to talk about that. Uh, it's been a journey, I think, of her life and this book is probably a culmination of that, how she's been able to put that together and transform and and just change how she views life and how she gives back to maybe her local community and larger community in which she grew up in, serving other people to help them find just, you know, peace and happiness in their lives and maybe comfort in how they live that. So with that, we want to welcome Lori Schwartz to our show. Thank you for joining us, Lori. Thank you for having me, you guys. Yeah, we look forward to talking to you and learning a little bit more about you. With that, you want to tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Yes, um, I would love to. So I am a wife, a mother, a grandmother. Um, my husband and I have been married for 31 years. And, uh, you know, at least tw 20 of those years have been inside no, that's not true. When we were in our 20s, we left the Amish culture. So a bit, a, a large portion of our married years were inside the Amish culture. Sure. So, yeah. So since that, I've, I've gone on to pursue some other things. I, I do some counseling. We have a mission in Africa. Um, but probably my favorite title is Grandma. That's a fun <laughs> we have one. Two little, we have two little uh, grandsons and they're just they're just so fun. They're so fun. Very rewarding, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Well, they, there's a different responsibility. You don't. Uh, I know. You can kind of I spoil know. them and then send them home and let the parents deal with with all the little Absolutely. day to day. Yeah. I don't yeah. have any. And every, and every time I'm with them, every time I'm with them, you know, there's just always things that they say or they make me laugh. And I'm like, this is why we're supposed to become like children. <laughs> it's we're, always a reminder. We're going to jump into a couple of rapid fire questions. I think Heather had sent you a list of what we're going to talk about. These rapid fire questions you don't have on the list. And yeah. uh, there's a couple of things. And I guess this isn't really a rapid fire. This is just taking you, uh, taking us into a question. We ask everybody, but we will get to the rapid fires. That's what I okay, think Heather sure. was yeah. looking at. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what your morning routine is? It's always interesting to visit with folks that have found, you know, levels of success. And it always seems there's some type of routine of some type. It's not always mm -hmm. nearly mm -hmm. as rigid with one person as the other. And we all have different yeah. personalities, but yeah. what's yours? Wow. I love that question, actually, because 
when I committed to a routine, it did change my life. Oh, wow. I, I used to let my mornings run, dictate me. And now I dictate my mornings. I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. I, I now tell myself what to do in the morning instead of just waiting and letting my body or my mind or my emotions tell me where I'm going to go. And that has changed my life. So I, I, I'm not going to say what time I get up because it's not as early as some, but you know, I'm older. I need my sleep, <laughs> but I do, I get up, um, you know, an hour after my husband is awake and he makes the coffee and then we have our coffee together. We catch up. We tell each other what our day looks like. We check social media, emails, whatever. And then he goes off to work and I will do my workout 30 minutes and I know, you know, people say, well, why, what you, how is there time to do that right away in the morning? But I say 30 minutes out of your whole day is nothing. Mm-hmm. And your body thanks you for that. So that is usually what I do right away. First thing in the morning. That's great. That's uh, what's interesting. I'll give you a line. If you ever get to ask that question again, either we have people that tell us that they get up at four and they go through the whole routine or they start with saying, I don't get up by four at four, <laughs> like recommended. And then they go yeah. through their routine. So uh, I'm, and I will tell you, I don't get up at four. I'm not a, I don't either. I'm not I, a morning person. My mother thought I was lazy need, because I didn't like to get up at four. So there actually is such a thing, right? As yeah. You are either a morning person or you're not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tell people I often, I'm more of a night person. I usually almost prep my day the night before. Me too. And then Me it's easier. Too. So I, I know where I'm at, but it's yeah. like I'm doing some of those things the night before. That's also why I'm not a dairy farmer, but. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I just find I can think so much better at night than in the morning. My brain wakes up a little slower and that's why I love the exercise. Yeah. It just, yeah. it's like an energy going. shock to your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I'll let you go with the rapid fires. Heather, I'll let you pick those <laughs> All right. Off. Okay, this here should we go. be fun. All right, Lori, what is your favorite way to relax? Oh, gosh. Reading a book, sitting in the sun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you have a nice uh, nice patio or hammock or something that you like I do. relax in? I do. I have a back patio and I have a front porch. So Perfect. I like to sit on the front porch or the back patio, depending where the sun's at. And I love, love, love to read. Yeah. I feel sorry for anybody that can't read. I know. I find it interesting that people that don't like to read, uh, I've found that a lot of times they will, they've learned to maybe do audio books. Yeah. Just listen to certain authors more on podcasts and things like that because they don't, because they understand the importance of taking in new information. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's Mm -hmm. something that I, I've noticed too. I'm grateful that I can do. All right. For the next one, what's your favorite thing to cook? I, I don't know. I, I just love cooking in general, but I will say I love to make like a big mess of veggies and meat on the grill. Oh. That's, does that count as cooking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is my absolute favorite thing. Like get all the good veggies I can uh-huh. find, add some shrimp, some chicken. If it's steak, my husband has to make it. I haven't learned how to do that, but that, I just love that on the back patio, the birds singing. It's just, it makes me happy. Yeah. 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 Inside cooking is a little bit more monotonous, but Uh I do love to cook up a good dinner. Yeah. Do you have your own garden as well? Not anymore. No, no. 
that's that's the thing of the past. <laughs> that's why you have time to work out in the morning. Absolutely. <laughs> we only have so much time. You just got to budget your time. True. Yeah. Yeah. What are you too hard on yourself for? Oh, my gosh. Probably a lot of things, you know, that comes that comes from the way I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, yes. hard on myself for everything. Um, I think I'm too hard on myself when I can't do what others expect me to. Like, it's very hard for me to say no. And then even if I do say no, I'll spend maybe half a day feeling guilty that I said no. Yeah. So with that, does that make sense? Is that being hard on myself? Well, yeah. If you're beating yourself up for it, sure. But no, yeah, like very I, powerful then I will analyze. I will analyze the rest of the day of how I could made could have made that work. You know, sure. I could have said yes. I probably should have said yes. So that is definitely an area that I still need a lot of help in mm-hmm. is to know my limits and feel and know that it is OK for me to say no. Yes. I can't. I just can't do this or I can't do that you know, for sake of time, or sometimes it's maybe I would have the time, but I don't have the emotional energy or stamina. When you're talking about being hard on yourself culturally, and I grew up like very similar to you, what you did, I think so often we're taught in our culture to be humble and not to be prideful and that you should always give of yourself and serve everyone Mm -hmm. else. But the the missing piece that's helped me find a lot of balance with it is the fact that if I'm not emotionally, mentally, and physically healthy, I cannot give and serve nearly like I can if those things are taken care of. So absolutely, I challenge absolutely. that back to people a lot of times. And I think it's just a shift in our mindset because uh, I look back and I can say this about myself, but sometimes we're the proudest, humble people you might ever find. You know, it's kind of an oxymoron oh. to use the terminology, but- it's it's something to overcome. That is so you said that so well, the proudest, humble people on the planet. Right. So one thing I will say in my book, I write quite a bit about this, of just, right. you know, finding that balance and learning to take care of you. Right. So, yeah. So that's a plug so, for my book, I guess. Yeah. And I'll get to that shortly. What I'm going to do yeah. next is ask you to just tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how that's foundational for where you're at today and how that uh, we've already literally talked about this just a little bit. You know, you've talked about some of how you are too hard on yourself about things, but share that with us, like, you know, brothers, okay. sisters and where you've, what, you know, where you grew up. So I was one of, there were nine of us siblings and I was a middle child. So probably have middle child syndrome. I don't know. I'm the only one out of my four brothers and four sisters who have left the Amish culture. So it's always kind of been a big deal. Um, Grew up like from a young age, working very, very hard. Right. You know, knowing, knowing, you know, we just all, that's just what we did. And it, it has produced a work ethic in me that I'm very grateful for. Mm -hmm. But the, the downside of that is I have, I learned to measure my worth with what I got done in yes. a day. Yes. So still trying to overcome that, yeah. you know, because, you know, yes, having the strong work ethic, I'm very grateful for that. If there's something to be done, you just do it. You right. just get it done. But then what about that day where you don't feel well or you don't get much done? Mm-hmm. Then that would be another area where it's very hard for me to not you know, measure my worth by that. I've gotten way, way better, but that, that is one, that is one way that 
So the good part is the work ethic. I really appreciate the work ethic. And another thing in my family was that was very, very important was to tell the truth. So how does that affect me today? I have a high value for the truth. I can't stand when people lie. I can tell when people lie. Um, I don't know why that was so important in my family, that and not not using uh, bad words, cuss words. We literally had a box. And if we if we said if we use bad language, we had to put money in there. We had to pay, you know, pay the price. Uh So that has also helped me, like, you know, not having to use swear words to get my point across. I'm very grateful for that. And, And to this day, I hate hearing swear words. I'm just like, just say that without all that. You know, we don't need why do you need to use that? But I, the, the older I get, I realize that some people might have grown up and that wasn't a big deal. But in my family, it was very much a big deal to, you know, speak the truth, keep your language clean and work hard. And you might and then you won't get in trouble yeah. pretty much. Right. And yeah. so culturally, you probably grew up on a farm then. Did. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. At a young age, milking cows, you know, getting the eggs, helping with feeding the little calves. And I at one point I was the oldest child at home that wasn't married. And then the workload was really, really it was heavy. It was hard. It was rough. Right. Um, But I learned how to throw a 50 pound bag of feed over my shoulder and go take it where it needed to go. And I prided myself, though, I think, in my strength and what I could do as a girl. I think I did, you know. Yeah. they uh, And that's what they a lot of times I think a lot of us grew up on farms. It was a way for them to create work and have work for their kids. Yeah. And so that Uh was a lot of it. Uh, Yeah. Truth is something that's interesting. And. I'm in a process of writing a book and it's getting close to finished. And I have a whole chapter just on that subject in itself because it's really a subjective word. It's not as simple as black and white and is how I view it today, because there's a lot of things I was taught that was absolute truth that clearly I understand today is not truth. (laughs) It's an opinion of how somebody, so I try to be more lenient and I just bring that up. I try to be more lenient with people when they talk about things, I try to act because there's so much perspective that can come behind mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, if I would visit with my mother, you know, there's certain things that, you know, it didn't matter. That was the truth. And yet, as I've gotten older, clearly I have a different opinion of the truth than what she has. Absolutely. And so it's, it's interesting. I mean, yes, blatant lying about something that, you know, my cup's black here. I mean, we know yeah. that. Let's yeah. not mm-hmm. call it red. So... But mm-hmm. that's that's just something that I find is very interesting on some of those things that were ingrained into us when we're young. And work is really how we measure our worth. I mean, they yeah. will pick on that a lot. Um, and so it, there's there's a healthy work ethic, but there also can be a very unhealthy one, I think, too. Absolutely. I think so, too. So. And, you know, being labeled lazy was probably one of the worst things you could mm-hmm. be called. Right. You know, if you were labeled as lazy, so you right. know, there was always that to not be lazy. And before, yeah, so. yeah, before we go on, and I've got to take my glasses off because I'm an old man now and I can't see. <laughs> we're going to plug your book a little bit and get into that. It's uh, Joy in the Journey, 365 Whispers of Hope. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for sending that to me. I got this book. I believe I received it on Friday. And as of last night, I read it, finished it. So a uh, couple of things that, and I'm not going to go through everything on it because it's, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but it's kind of a diary format a little bit mm-hmm. is what you kind of had done. And there's, but it was empty or interesting to me. A couple of things that came out was one is family was something mm-hmm. that was big. And it was even back from uh, the beginning of when you were a child, that was one thing. And then the other thing um uh, you talk about, you know, making assumptions of people. I think that's right in the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. Just some different things. What was an inspiration to write this book? I mean, what motivated you to start down that path? Well, I've always loved writing as long as I can remember. Like even back in school, I spelling, reading, writing. Remember how I love to read? Right. So I would, you know, I would read everybody's stories and I, you know, I'm always, I'll have as many as five books going at a time. That's maybe a little ridiculous, but that's how much I love to read. So I just, it started, something started growing in me like, well, why, why couldn't I write my book? Why couldn't I? So I started actually writing my life story, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Because there's parts of my story that I'm not ready for the world to know. Right. And part of that comes from I want to honor my my father has passed away. Mm-hmm. My mother is still alive and I have a really good relationship with my four sisters. And I so I really I just stopped and I was like, is it worth putting out my story at the risk of relationship? Right. Yes. And I just stopped and I gave it a rest for probably six months. And then one morning I woke up. God often speaks to me in the morning before my brain takes over. That's Uh I, you know, because I talk a lot. So that's one time I'm not talking so he can talk. So he he gave me this idea. Just write about your current life with um, with, you know, make it like a devotional Use a Bible verse right Mm -hmm. from your current life and sprinkle in stories from your Amish background. Kind of the teaser to maybe when I do write my story, if I ever do, I don't know for sure yet. At this point, I don't feel like I have the release to do that, Uh, but I might, I might at some point. So that was kind of, you know, I was itching to write. I've, I've wanted to start a blog and because of, you know, just didn't really know how to do that. So I literally just took a took I just filled journals over mm-hmm. a year and and then it was just that it was just that simple one morning like I can do this I, I felt it was totally inspired by God. Sweet, yeah, that's uh, it was just interesting going through that. I noticed, you know, and I I earmarked a couple different pages, so I'm going to kind of I'd like to go through um, uh, uh, a couple of things. And I will echo though your sentiment a little bit because I just lost my mother in February and I lost my father Aww. years ago, uh, 38 mm-hmm. years ago, actually here wow. coming up. But, you know, that was kind of the one thing I've started down the same path, but I just came to a point I wasn't going to write my story until my mother was gone. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, I might still have a family member or two that'll be a bit offended, but at yeah. some point I mm-hmm. think we've got a relationship. We can work through that. But, um, you know, you talked a little bit about restoring relationships and that's on like page 84. And then you talked about going back. And one thing that I found real interesting on that was that you place a high value on relationships. 
And mm-hmm. the thing that's interesting in culturally growing up, I know that that's really ingrained into, into us to value relationships, but it was also unhealthy in the fact of what we've already discussed in how we deal with those relationships because they really are manipulative, which is not positive and healthy. And so once you can take it from a positive twist, however, there are times we make sacrifices. And I think I just explained one a little bit in my life, you know, with my mother and you've kind of been talking about that. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? How you, how you come to peace and, and we're able to maybe uh, mend those relationships because mm-hmm. I think this goes into beyond our culture of what we grew up with. I think it's for anyone in general, relationships are important. Family is important yeah. regardless. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just talk about mm-hmm. the efforts you've gone to, to restore those. Okay. Okay. And maybe why? Yeah. Um, so, well, well, growing up, you know, I was really close to my, to my sister, just older me and my sister, just younger than me. So the season that I didn't have them for was about 10 years. That was really that it was really difficult. And it made me really sad, Um, even though I had worked through it. But then when we moved back from living out west for eight years, now we're two and a half hours from my family again. And I was I just I realized that this is no coincidence. But I also realized that if there is going to be relationship, it's going to have to be up to me. And, and I, I try to look at it from the point that they truly do not understand why we did what we did. They right. truly didn't. They truly thought we just wanted more material things and we just didn't want to be Amish anymore, which is, was so not the case, you know. Um, so, I, so I just went on a little bit of a journey to, to ask them, what would it take to have relationships? And then that was when they they answered me and said if I would wear some kind of well, they wanted me to wear my actual Amish clothes to come back. But I I told them, well, I don't really have those anymore, but we'll you know, I can dress what they call modest. So we just kind of found a compromise. And and I just I don't know, to me. It was like that was so worth for me to do that to build the relationship that I was able to before my father passed away. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had like about, I think it was three to five years before he passed away of just, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything that the relationship I was able to have with my father, because I was willing to wear the, my husband calls it a bag, you know, (laughs) put put it, putting on a bag again and put something on my hair, you know, It's one day, you know, and and sometimes it was more than one day. But I think this is one thing that I I just ask people, like, if you can't do that, are you are you really free? I mean, Paul speaks about it. Right. When you go to Rome, you you know, I'm thankfully I didn't have to shave off my hair. I just had to cover it, you know. So to me, it was just worth it. But I know some people say they can't do that. It makes them feel like a hypocrite. But the thing that really, really helped me get to that place was now my kids are growing up. Right. And I love them so much. I would I would die for them. And I always ask myself, what would I do? How would I respond if one of my children was doing something that I truly, truly thought was wrong? It's a great question. So it, it helped me to look at it from that perspective. That is how my parents you know, that they, they truly, truly felt 
that because we left the Amish, there's a good chance we won't get to heaven. If one of my kids would be doing something that I think they are not going to get to heaven, it would break my heart. And I would probably raise some cane too, you know? So so to kind of flip the script and look at, at it from their perspective. No, and I did that answer your question. It I abso- yeah, it absolutely did because my next page that I was going to was you're talking about pursuing relationships and then the relationship with your dad and how you were able yeah. to restore that. So that mm-hmm. was that was kind of uh, one that I was going to I wanted to touch on, uh, just because I I don't know either that every that I would recommend or that everybody has to do what you did. Yes, I think I, what too. I think what they need to do though is put importance on relationships and be willing to move somewhere to try to gain a relationship. Yeah. And it can be yeah. it can be with yeah, like you said with your children, uh I've had to make concessions in maybe some things I believe and you know to because I'm still going to have a relationship with my child and that's probably Absolutely. something Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Something I probably learned from my younger years. Uh, those, you know, are culturally, they would cut you out. That's yeah. just not a place I'm willing to go. And so absolutely, that was just absolutely. something I noticed was your relationships. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12 month period. Certainly they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer. And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. Mm -hmm. Another thing. Thank you. Another thing that you've got in here that was very interesting to me, you talk about your neighborhood and uh, just a little bit about where you live and all the neighbors you have. And it's basically page 209. I doubt you have everything memorized, but <laughs> if you want a reference on that. But it's it talks about how you relate to that. And I think uh, it's interesting to me when I, when I read through that page is how we are neighborly to other people. And the fact of the matter is I don't view my neighbors just like the people on my block. I, you know, mm-hmm. they are... Uh, you know, for all I, all intensive purposes, you could be my neighbor, you know, it depends Mm -hmm. more on relationship. And if I'm in a position to, uh, maybe have a relationship of some type and how we, you know, nurture those, but, um, it goes back again to you being a relational purpose person. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I guess my question is, it's maybe more an observation than a question, but. What's uh, I, I can tell you put a value on other people 
and their relationships. I mean, I don't know if you have a statement to that or if that's if there's something that that triggers in you that you can talk about a little bit that would give you a way to uh, maybe explain why that's important to you. I think it's just I think it's just always been like that, that relationships have are very important to me. Um, I view every person as, you know, God loves them as much as he loves me. Right. And and they are and they are worthy of respect and honor. And like are speaking of our neighborhood, you know, we all go to completely different churches. But to me, that is that could not matter in the slightest. Mm-hmm. We're all, you know, maybe maybe some of us don't even go to church. I know right. some some probably don't. But to me, it's just about meeting people where they're at, I think. Yeah. And letting them feel, letting them feel loved. Right. I, I, I just, I think that's so important to just love people where they're at, making them feel valued. Um, even if it's just to stop and talk with the neighbor lady when we're both out running or something, you know, she's a widow, she's lonely. She's right. You know, it's, it, I don't know. It's just, it's just something that I guess maybe it's a gift. I don't know. Cause I've always had it. I think. Mm-hmm. That's true, but I think it's something that you place importance on. And I just and I bring that up because clearly that's important to me. And I think if we're gonna mm-hmm. live in a be part of a healthy community, mm-hmm. we have to be willing to help others and serve others. You know, and it goes back to a lot of foundational things you were taught, but it's probably done with different purpose. But yes, it's just yes. and I just picked on that page because I see that kind of come up and reoccur. Yeah, good. Things. I We're like that. We're kind of that. working our it, way through the book a little. We'll get back to some other questions. I know I'm way off Heather's script, but by the time I got finished <laughs> with this, perfectly fine with this book. Uh, the other I, thing, I, go ahead. I love hearing your feedback. I really, you know, especially from a guy perspective, I've had a lot of feedback from women, but sure. you're well, you're the third guy, I guess, that is giving me feedback. So it's really, it's really fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. I. Uh, and the next one back, I think it was 261, page 261. You talk about parenting with purpose. You had, uh, you guys have an Airbnb and you had mm-hmm. some, and I'll call them mutual friends for uh, at stay there and spend some time with you guys. And you just talked about how they interacted with their children. And clearly you're in a different stage than what they are. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just interesting uh, to see how, how you put such importance on family and my mm-hmm. and I know that's something you grew up with, but it I I can just see from how you write about that family, and I know you have your own, and you talk in here about you know having a weekly family night or maybe it's monthly, I don't know what it is, but you have one. How does that look different to you now, or why does that look different than it did the way it did when you grew up? Because when I look back at my childhood, we didn't, you know, with the exception of a brother or two right next to me, we didn't really play. We, yeah. work, we work together. We didn't play mm-hmm. together. We work together. So yes. how does that, I mean, because I can tell you put emphasis on fun things. Yeah. Well, um, so what changed for when we started having our kids and we, and as they started growing older and we wanted to, you know, it's easy to stay connected to them when they're little, right? So as they started getting older and they started getting their own interests and we felt like, you know, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's not wrong if they want to do this. And it's probably not wrong if they want to do this. So we, we found ourselves, ourselves mentors that had no plain background. 
very much amazing Christian people. Mark and Debbie, if you hear this, you know, this is a plug for you guys. Um, and we asked them, how do we keep our kids' hearts when, you know, as they grow older, how do we stay connected to their hearts? And I'll never forget what they told us. And, and if there's parents listening to this, this is, I feel, so important. They said, make what's important to your child's heart important to you. Yeah. And you will stay connected to their hearts. So that was our mandate with our children growing up. And to this day, we have things my husband does with every one of the sons. It's different things that he specifically purposefully connects with them. And then me with my daughters, of course. Um, and then on family nights, it's all together. You know, we, we just do all kinds of things and we all talk at once and it's chaotic and loud and fun. But what we don't, what there isn't is, you know, stony, stuffy um, silences. And I'm so yeah. grateful for that because growing up, we, I, I do remember playing with my siblings. We would get like, and I think we would get like an hour every day. And I think I write about that. That was, that's one thing I'm so grateful that my mom taught us was to take that hour a day to play or do what we want. Um, so I did grow up playing some, but what, but what was always missing was like the, you know, good job. Well right. done. You know, you did great. You you're amazing. And so I always just knew that, okay, I want to change that for my kids. I want my kids to know that they have what it takes. They're amazing. They, they can do whatever they set their mind to. And so basically kind of learn, you know, I just kind of decided this is what I want for my kids. You know how some people, when you don't get something as a child, you just repeat that cycle and it goes from one yeah. generation to the next. But I, when we left the Amish, I took a good look at where we came from. And my husband and I did this together and we decided what we want to keep and what we want to leave behind. Sure. And that worked really well for us and, and what we want to change for our children. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think it's yeah. even just in that culture. I think that's good advice for anyone because probably our parents yeah. and I'm not, I mean, I told my kids that look at what you appreciated about me. Don't repeat the stuff you didn't like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, let's be honest. Oh, it's I'm that's a human so being. Good. So. It's, I uh, tell my my sons that my son, especially that has kids now, I tell him all the time, Dennis, you do not have to repeat our mistakes. It is up to you now yeah. to to take this to another level. I almost hold him accountable to it. <laughs> take the parenting to another level. We did the best we knew. Now, what are you going to do? Right. Make your own so, mistakes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just kind of wanted to work through that book real quickly. I didn't want to take too much time on it because I know there's a lot of other things we want to visit about too and want to kind of keep it in a in a time frame here. So sure. we'll move on sure. with that. I don't know if there's any, is there any other plug on the book you really want to make? I mean, something that I feel like we covered it in general. There is one thing I would love to say. I would love to say to people, especially in the culture that you and I grew up in, that it is okay to talk about depression. It is okay mm -hmm. to talk about mental health, emotional health. And in fact, yeah. you should talk about it. Yes. We should talk about it. And it is okay to struggle. I just have to say this. I, I, and I use this in my counseling quite a bit. Why is it okay to get sick in our body? But if our mind needs help, there's something wrong with us. Right. It's such point. a ridiculous mindset. We're soul, spirit, body. 
And if one suffers, it all suffers. It's yeah. all tied together. So if you need help, get help. There's no right. shame in that. And that's, again, that's across all culture barriers. I mean, that's, there's yeah. so much mental health that not only our country, but our world struggles with. So yes. I and think, and it's on the rise, which yeah. just makes me sad. Certainly yeah. reach out, reach out to any of us, but yes, Definitely. let's, uh, Let's shift our focus here a little bit and talk about your mission to Africa. So we know you have a passion for for helping those. So can you tell us about your mission? Yes. Um, So shall I shall I combine the two questions? Yeah. I have like okay about Africa and how it came to be. Yeah. Because I think because we are a little a little short on time. I see that right. Um, So so how it came to be. um, So I had Africa on my heart. For years and years and years, when we were dirt poor, I had a heart for Africa. I would listen, I would watch something about children in Africa, and I would just start crying. And I just didn't even know what this was all about or why does this affect me like that? And furthermore, what am I supposed to do about it? I don't even have it. You know, there was times we didn't even have enough money for, well, we always did. We always had enough money for that next gallon of milk, but it took a lot of faith, right? So I just held it in my heart and I just, sometimes I would ask God, okay, what, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, but it's obviously there. So finally, when we moved back here in Wisconsin, um, my daughters and I, I I saw this, I saw that this group of people was going to go to that specific part of Africa that I had a heart for. Mm -hmm. And I signed myself and my twin daughters up. The, the one wanted to go, the other one did not, but she came with us anyway because we wanted to do it as a mother-daughter thing. And we had to, first of all, raise $15,000 just to get there because the tickets were $5,000 apiece. Oh, wow. So we did that. We had little fundraisers. We got, you know, the local community supported us. And we so we raised that money. We went over there and I came back from that trip and I just was never the same. I could, Gary, you've heard some of me, yes. you've heard me say some of this at the Erie, Pennsylvania event. So I just couldn't function. I was, I just could not function. I couldn't stop seeing those little babies with the bloated bellies mm-hmm. and the, the girls with the babies on their backs and just the hunger and the thirst. They were hunger. They were hungry for love, water, food. Everything, everywhere you look, there were just children swarming, 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 begging. And I just, yeah, I came home and I, and I would try to talk to my husband and he would hear me, but then kind of try to get me to go on with life. Right. And finally I was like, okay, is this is not, I just, I can't, I can't go back to my life knowing what's going on over there and not do something. I was like desperate and I got get almost angry my husband says I was like the shotgun preacher movie. If you've never seen that, it's a good movie. Um, so I persuaded him to go with me a year later and he did. And he kind of had some of the exact same experiences, like just wrecked us both emotionally. Again, um, he was in a group just being swarmed with kids and he had a bottle of water in his hand because we had water, right? We we're the rich white people. Mm-hmm. We weren't rich at all, but we were there. And he was, so he would pour a little bit of water in a cap and let them take a turn to have a drink. I have a picture of that. Mm. And looking back, it was so prophetic because we came home and now he too was ready to say, okay, we have to do something, but we still didn't really know what. So we finally, 
um, realize that if if they have water, it changes so much for them. The kids right. get to go to those c- girls now get to go to school. They're not sick all the time. And it opens most of all the gateway to the gospel. So we decided we're going to provide the funds for wells in Africa. Mm. So that is what we do. We we so three times a year we do a fundraiser event, one in Colorado, one in Pennsylvania, and then one coming up here in June, right here on our property. Hey, you guys should come, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I see yeah. you just advertised that. No, that's I just it. advertised that. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh a good friend of ours and well, he's a business partner, Reggie Miller. I mean, his grandpa started Water for Life in Haiti. So it was okay, a lot of the same nice. thing. And Reggie spent numerous years down there drilling wells. And I'd had a younger brother that went down and with a different mission and has done that. And I've seen a lot of those stories. And it's yeah. it's incredible how we think we're not wealthy until you go to a place that they're just fighting for life. It, I know, on a whole different for the next level. meal. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's the next meal. It's very interesting to see how that uh, is so impactful. And so, yeah, my, my, uh, uh, I guess I would give an attaboy to all the efforts that you do there. It seems like it takes a lot of small, small groups in different areas to yeah. just really help the greater cause. So it's very mm-hmm. admirable. You have though, in that case, you're drilling wells, but you've teamed up with somebody else. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And that way mm-hmm. they can, uh, you're, they're bringing their equipment in, into the area in which you were visiting. And absolutely. There's okay. a local team there that is trained to do the drilling. Okay. So it also provides jobs for, for the local team right. there. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Yeah. We partnered with mama Heidi, we call her and she's, yeah, she's incredible. Just incredible. The difference they've made over there. So it's just amazing to be a small part of what they do over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then a good friend of mine when I was young is he's down in Haiti too now doing the same thing. And they're just, mm-hmm. you know, training locals to become self-sufficient. Yeah. And it really, it's yeah. amazing how water can make them wealthy in so many ways. I know. <laughs> I know. From education and what have you. So yeah, um, we kind of yeah. had covered the last question a little bit. It seems we were going to talk a little bit about what uh, you seem to have a desire to help those that struggle life in various ways. And it's just, the thing, I'll just make an observation, I guess, uh, uh, from a previous question. It says, where does that passion come from? I'm not sure if you completely understand that, even yourself, but there's mm-hmm. always that burning mm-hmm. fire within us. And I like to talk to people about uh, that I work with a lot of times that you got to find your mission in life. Yes. And it's hard to set goals and even have them be effective and not be self-centered if you don't find your mission. So I just share that as people have listened to this, you know, clearly, Lori, you have yours there. Uh, The other thing that's very interesting that I'd like a little perspective on is uh, it comes out of uh, the culture you grew up in, but now you've put yourself in a position to be in the public's eye and you've wrote a book. So it's going to be even more so in that, in that uh, how do you personally deal with people who sometimes come at you negatively? Mm. And how do how do you handle that? Because that happens. I mean, we have social media, you know, I I, yeah. mean, I see it. I have keyboard warriors and they'll go on rants and, <laughs> and it's kind of like, you don't even know me, mm-hmm. but you know, I have mm-hmm. to now process and deal with that because I know what I'm called to do. Yes. So yes. have you, have Absolutely. you dealt with that much? I, I have since the book came out, right. you know, and, and ironically, you know, 
it was um, mostly from family. Right. Yeah. Ironically. Um, so it, it, it kind of took me for a loop, honestly, because I thought I had built relationship to the point where that wouldn't happen. But it, I, I just felt like for me, it was it was maybe like um, a little bit of a reality check. Because sometimes we can think we are somewhere with people where we're really not. Right. But to answer your question, it always, always helps. No matter when people criticize you, first of all, I feel like, okay, what's going on in their life? Obviously, they're not totally happy with their own life if they have time to be out criticizing others. Right, right. So, so sometimes I just kind of take it where it comes from. But the really helpful thing is always when you try and look at it from their perspective. Right. right when right. you take anything, take it and look at it from their perspective. And I think you touched on this. Like there is often another perspective to right. look at things. Right. And to realize that, okay, I'm not, you know, this is my opinion. And they are allowed to have their opinion because, yes, they can hide behind right. it or some people. So I just think giving people the right to have their opinion right. without that hat and realizing I'm not responsible for their opinion. I'm only responsible how I respond to their sure. opinion. Right. No. And I like that. I like that a lot. I guess the thing that I've found is uh, because we all are born with either a fight or a flight tendency and just, you know, yeah. losing dad young and some things I probably I I developed a pretty strong fight. And so I've had to overcome that, but I think I've gotten to a point that I a lot of times am sympathetic almost for that person mm -hmm. for going and attacking in that way. And I try to approach it that way because clearly they don't know me. Now, if it's family, then it's an internal issue because mm -hmm. they're they're choosing to take my experience and internalize it. And uh, so that that's a little different element than when it's people that don't know you that well. It's typically they really don't know my story. They really don't exactly. know where I'm coming from mm -hmm. and who I'm helping and why I'm helping mm -hmm. them. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's to me, it's I usually try to develop a deeper relationship with that person in order to maybe they can now understand why yeah. the why behind it. So uh, but I would challenge you to, you know, if you like to write, keep writing. Thank you. Because at the end of the day, it's it's not about the people that are frustrated or maybe feel hurt or feel like mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. charging 20 bucks and you should charge 10 for the book or, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, just there is bizarre. Too. The things they'll get, you know, they'll come at you with uh, because at the end of the day, you also have to cover the cost you have uh, and and. And then in this case, now you gave me the book and I heard maybe you mm -hmm. want me to send you some money. I haven't yet. I no, didn't no, ask no, you no. that. But it, at the end it was of the, a gift. Well, thank you. But at the end of the day, a lot of times the things we're going to learn the most from are still the things we, we have that cost us something. Absolutely. So when you go to Africa, that was a trip of a lifetime up to that point in your life. You spent more money, you fundraised, you put hours and sweat and tears into this. It was going to impact you differently. Because mm -hmm. you'd set yourself up for a different experience than you did when you decided to go to Florida for three or four days. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So it's just a difference. And that's where I think value comes in on people. And there is a price on education like that. So I thank you for taking, listening to your spirit and writing a book. Uh, to me, that's just 
incredible because I love to see people overcome those things. And I hope your family can come to terms with it. Uh, I'll share this analogy. I had no intention of doing this. Uh, I had, there's eight of us kids in my family. And about two years ago, which was very fortunate, we were just discussing the whole events around my father's passing. Mm-hmm. And I just broke it down to like this, and it really kind of helped resonate and help people understand. At the end of the day, we all lived in this big white square farmhouse, but we all seen that world and that day from a different window. Mm-hmm. So our mm-hmm. angles and perspectives were all different. Right. And it was probably a point that we could kind of get back to understand that what I experienced was actually truth in my life. Mm-hmm. And what my brother and my sister's mm-hmm. experience was truth in their life. Absolutely. And I wasn't yeah. lying when I told my story and they were lying when they told theirs. You know, it's just kind of the difference. Uh, I just share that because I think people are going to listen to this. And sometimes uh, you open up with how you like truth and I do too. It was something mm-hmm. that was just ingrained into me. But yeah. I think I've learned there's also perspective. There's so much subjectivity around that. And uh, so with that, I thank you for your first podcast and being so vulnerable. I hope it was not uncomfortable. I think it'll absolutely uh, be a a blessing to those that listen to it, that follow you and enjoy this. So I want to really thank you for joining us here on Mindset Growth Podcast. I would also just have you tell people where they can find you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I truly enjoyed it. Um, they, the, probably the best place to, to reach me is simply my name, Lori Schwartz, 111 at gmail.com. Um, and then I do have a website as well. Shall I give that sure. also? Okay. So that is uh simple faith counseling.com. Very simple. Just the way simple faith counseling.com. Okay. It, it, yeah. So, so, and you do a lot of counseling and of course, uh, raise money for Simple Faith Ministries, which is the group or the name of the company that uh, funds, raises the funds for the wells for those yes. in Africa. And that's in Mozambique. Did I say that yes. correctly? Mozambique, mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. So if any of you feel touched in helping that cause, uh, you can reach out to Lori as well for that. So with that, Lori, Heather and I thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank Thank you. you.